Good day. This week on Paranormally Speaking, I'll be covering paranormal entertainment. Good versus bad. You know what I mean. Another terrifying tale from one of my books. The book being Haunted Enough. Current events and my regular ranting and raving about the state of the world, state of our government, the state of people and society, and how social media seems to be manipulating both sides and forging a war between us and the opposition and the other side thinking we are the opposition, which we are. We oppose the views. They oppose our views. But no one's coming to the table anymore. No one's crossing party lines to hear us out or us hear them out. It's the algorithms in the social network game deliberately pitting us against each other, almost as if AI itself has decided to launch a war against mankind without AI itself getting involved in the war, but pitting us against each other. It's a brilliant move. So much more will be covered in this episode of Paranormally Speaking. Please hold for a word from our sponsor. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Quarantining with a ghost, it's scary. For those who believe they're locked down with a spectral roommate, the pandemic has been less isolating than they bargained for. It started with the front door. Adrian Gomez lives with his partner in Los Angeles, where their first few days of sheltering in place for the coronavirus pandemic proved uneventful. They worked remotely, baked, took a two-mile walk each morning, and refinished their porcelain kitchen sink. But then one night, the doorknob began to rattle, vigorously, so loud he could hear it from across the apartment. Yet no one was there. In mid-April, Mr. Gomez was in bed when a nearby window shade began shaking against the window frame so intensely, despite the fact that the window was closed. An adjacent window shade remained perfectly still. The cats were all accounted for, and no bug nor bird or any other small creature had gotten stuck in there. That, Mr. Gomez thought at that point, it was perhaps a small earthquake. I very seriously hid myself under the comforter like you see in horror movies because it really did freak me out a little, he said. Now, though, neither he nor his partner noticed any unexpected or unexplained activity at home before this, the couple can distinctly make out footsteps above their heads. No one lives above them. I'm a fairly rational person, said Mr. Gomez, who is 26 and works in IT support. I try to think, what are the reasonable, tangible things that could be causing this? But when I don't have those answers, I start to think maybe something else is going on. They are not alone, possibly in more ways than one. For those who experience the self-isolation, it involves what they believe to be a ghost. Their days are not just by Zoom meetings and punctuated under that or homeschooling, but by disembodied voices, shadowy figures, misbehaving electronics, invisible cats, cozying up to them on the couch, caresses from hands that aren't there, and even in some cases, to borrow the technical parlance of Ghostbusters, 
free-floating, full-torso, vaporous apparitions. Some of these people are beyond frightened, and of course, others say they just appreciate the company. There is no scientific evidence for the existence of ghosts, a fact that has little bearing on our collective enthusiasm for them. According to a 2019 YouGov survey, 45% of U.S. adults believe in ghosts. In 2009, the Pew Research Center found that 18% of Americans believe themselves to have seen or otherwise encountered. Before stay-at-home restrictions in New York, Patrick Hens, 42, left Manhattan with his husband and daughter to spend six weeks at an adorable cottage in western Massachusetts that they rented in on an uh, Airbnb. One night, Mr. Hens woke up around 3 a.m., the 3 a.m. time. We've been over this before. Thirsty for a glass of water. He said he walked into the kitchen and saw a white man in his 50s wearing a well-worn World War II-era military uniform and cap sitting at the table. It seemed perfectly normal in the split second before I realized, wait, what's happening? And I turned to look, but he was gone, said Mr. Hens, who is the host of the podcast True Crime Obsessed. It didn't feel menacing at all. It almost didn't even occur to me to tell my husband the next morning. If you were to accept the premise that ghosts are real, it stands to reason that some tension would naturally result once their flesh and blood roommates start spending much, much more time at home together. Hello, kids and adults in the listening audience. I'm Neil Parks, award-winning author and paranormal expert. I'd like to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. You are listening to Big Bad Daddy Wolf's Halloween special on 96.6 The Wolf. If you'd like to learn more about me, then you need to get to Google and search at The Neil Parks or my bookstore website, which is www.lulu.com slash spotlight slash Neil Parks. Thanks. Paranormally related television shows have become a staple for entertainment. It started really with uh, shows like Beyond Belief. Uh, in the 1970s, I grew up watching documentaries that were hosted by Raymond Burr and Leonard Nimoy. And they did documentaries on Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, um, Loch Ness Monster, Bermuda Triangle, ghostly encounters, UFOs. And it really sucked me in at a very early age. And just those shows continue to spiral off onto unsolved mysteries and sightings and, of course, ghost hunters and ghost adventures and paranormal state. The list goes on. And there are so many that at one time the market became completely saturated with more paranormal shows, paranormally related type of shows than you could shake a stick at. Uh, Destination Truth, Monster Quest. Uh, there was some really good and reputable shows but at the same time there was a lot of crap out there that was just choking the viewer with nonsense and questionable evidence if any evidence was collected at all became a lot of smoke and mirrors uh, this is a disappointing time near the end but there's been a resurgence lately uh, reputable teams are making a comeback after taking a break for a while like the gang from Ghost Hunters. The show is back now, 
And then there's the other half of Ghost Hunters. They are now doing a different show as well. And I've worked with a few of these people in the past, like Josh Gates from Destination Truth. I've collaborated with um, Jason Hawes from Ghost Hunters. A few other people that really know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, and hold a positive light within that uh, genre of entertainment. Um, Can't say enough good things about those people. But then, again, there's also the dime a dozens that ruin it for everyone with absolute garbage, um, faked evidence, questionable evidence. Like I said earlier, no evidence collected at all. And paranormally related material goes into a lot of newer movies now, uh, actual scripted television shows. I'm sure we all remember The X-Files, Kolchak the Night Stalker. Uh, That was in the late 70s as well. Uh, We've got um, movies like Insidious and The Conjuring and Annabelle. It's really a good time to be involved in the field of paranormal research because it's become a talking point that people aren't uncomfortable with anymore. They can discuss these things openly with each other or with people who may have at one time been skeptical. Uh, There's been a lot of groundbreaking as of late. The United States government, Air Force, actually has confirmed that unidentified flying objects do in fact exist and they are not our technology and they are of not any known origin or technology. Uh, NASA has confirmed that there are things about Mars and on Mars right now that will completely change our way of thinking and and modern science and practices and belief systems and new worlds that have been discovered that are not even really being talked about in the mainstream yet. Uh, it's a great time to be in the field of paranormal research, paranormal investigation. We're seen as reputable now. We're seen as knowledgeable. Uh, so many of us are using scientific methods within our research to have concrete validity and data to show that what we're feeling and what we're seeing, what we're encountering does in fact exist around us, but in an alternate realm, an alternate plane. And it's not in the physical realm, it's metaphysical, it's pseudoscience. You can use thermal imaging equipment, you can use infrared thermometers, you can use uh, various types of LED lights with uh, different types of lumens that capture things that may not have been seen with regular lights or the naked eye. The Awakening. It was Labor Day weekend, and according to the weatherman, it was going to be one of the warmest on record. Thomas and some friends were camping in Okani State Park in South Carolina. They were seniors in high school and went with Thomas's uncle. He was an ROTC instructor who was also a substitute teacher at their high school. This was a guy in his 50s, cool to talk to, and still built like an ox. He was a sergeant while in the Army and was the true definition of a badass. On their first night camping, it was warm and windy. They went off the grid and followed an uncharted path to an isolated area deep in the wilderness. This was a favorite spot of the sergeants, and he wanted to introduce the rest of the campers to his area. 
There were some natural paths, a blue hole nearby, uncharted caves, and more wilderness than any of the boys had ever seen in one trip. After they explored the blue hole and splashed in the deepest and cleanest lake they had ever seen, they were ready for dinner and for some unwinding. The group spent a while goofing off around the fire, trying to scare one another, making stupid animal noises. Mike, one of Thomas's friends who came along on the camping trip, suggested that they tell some ghost stories before bed. I'll start the first story, and if it's too much for everyone, then we can stop. <laughs> a few of the others groaned and rolled their eyes. They scoffed at his suggestion, calling it something little kids do around a campfire. Sarge, as he was known by the boys, surprised everyone when he spoke up and said, Okay, gang, quiet. Quiet, here's the plan. I'll share a story with all of you, and the first one who pisses their pants will have to take a hike in the woods and gather more wood. The group stopped chatting at that point and looked at their group leader in astonishment. Sarge normally only talked when someone pressured him. This time, he volunteered to speak and actually tell a story. This was way out of character for him. The boys were anxious to hear what he had to say. Sarge continued, Now that I have your undivided attention, this was a story shared with me when I was stationed in Germany. This happened in a heavily wooded area, a lot like where we are now. A small village on the outskirts of the forest had been experiencing bizarre events. The animals belonging to the townspeople had started dying off, one by one. In the morning, their owners would discover their animals outside with huge holes dug in their chest. The people thought it was the work of a bear or a pack of wild dogs, and resolved to find the culprit or culprits responsible by setting traps on the outskirts of their property and holding nightly vigils until the beast was caught or killed. One night, a man by the name of Thomas was closing a store for the night. It was very late, and he was anxious to get home to his family. He shut off the lights and then closed the door to his store. As he turned around to go to his car, he saw a dark shape in the distance. He stood still trying to make out what it was. As it got closer, Thomas turned to go. It was the last move he ever made. The next day, they found him with ten deep holes in his chest. This made the townspeople very worried and terrified. They were scared more people might get killed. The scenario for the killings was the same, but the killings escalated to humans. One night, two brave brothers, John and Jacob, went out to track down who or what was on this killing spree and destroy this perpetrator once and for all. They each took huge knives, rifles, and radios. They said bye to their father and kissed their fragile grandmother on the way out. A few hours into their self-appointed mission, the two boys decided to split up. One would trace the locations where the dead animals had been discovered, and the other would investigate where the murder of Thomas took place and search nearby streets for clues. They agreed to meet back in front of Thomas's store in three hours. If one brother came across some evidence or thought he was in danger of being attacked, they could use the radios to contact the other. So they set off, keeping a close eye on the shadows. Nothing seemed to happen at first. 
It was a calm night, and it seemed like they would eventually make it home safely. Suddenly, John heard a crackling in the bushes behind him. He tried to call out to his brother, but it was too late. The figure leaped out of the bushes and tackled him, gouging his chest with its massive claws. Luckily, Jacob was within an earshot and heard the commotion. He rushed to help his brother. He leaped through the air and cut off the creature's right hand with a machete. The beast screamed out in pain and disappeared in the night. Jacob took John to the hospital where the doctors treated his wounds and bandaged him up. The doctors called them heroes. John's wounds weren't serious, so he was treated and released. The brothers finally got home at six in the morning. Only the grandmother was, was up at that time, so they said good morning to her. Then she went back to bed. Neither of them noticed their father ripped to shreds on the kitchen floor or the fact that their grandmother's right hand was missing. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. The rest of the campers howled and shouted at the woods near the campsite after the story that Sarge shared. Mike noticed that Jason had spilled something all over his pants and exclaimed to everyone, Hey, Jason pissed his pants because of the story. <laughs> he got, you gotta go fetch wood. Jason looked at his pants and said, No, no, that's not what it is. I spilled water all over myself, you moron. The group erupted in laughter, and even the Sarge got into the spirit of things and cracked a smile. Okay, okay. It's late, troops. Let's turn in and get up at sunrise for breakfast and a hike, Sarge commanded. Most of the campers chose to sleep in their tents, while the Sarge, Mike, and Jason decided to sleep under the stars. Around the campfire, of course. Right after retiring for the evening, various members of the group made goofy animal noises and, of course, the usual fart sounds boys make when they get together as a group. It was... <sighs> Who could gross out the group most or scare someone into sleeplessness? It didn't take long, though, before the group drifted off to sleep. The Sarge, Mike, and Jason awoke at that time. In the middle of the night, the unpleasant smell of wet dog and rotten flesh filled the air. Sarge thought that it might be the damp leaves expelling a rotten odor or the smell of a dead animal blowing in the wind. He tried not to worry about it and didn't want to scare the other campers, but Mike and Jason were not only curious but also concerned. A few of the other campers woke up due to this horrible stench and started muttering to one another. The Sarge said, Oh, just go back to sleep and ignore it. It's just a damn animal. After that was said, everyone just slotted off to sleep and decided it was time to be quiet and just go to sleep had a big day ahead of them. The campsite fell silent, and they slept through the rest of the night. 
When they awoke the next morning, the sun was peeking over the hillside and blanketed the land with warmth. A few of the campers came crawling out of their tents and noticed that Sarge was already stoking the fire and brewing coffee. He had been up for a while and walked the campsite and the woods surrounding them. "'Morning, Sarge,' Mike said as he emerged from his sleeping bag. He looked around and noticed a group of guys walking collectively from one spot to another and discussing something about their discovery. Mike looked at Sarge and said, "'What's their deal? What are they gibbering about?' Miss Sarge replied, without looking away from his fire, "'There are huge paw prints all over the place.' Mike looked around and said, "'What the? Did anyone see a dog here last night?' "'I thought I smelled one,' Thomas said. "'There were paw prints four feet away from where Thomas had laid his head that night. "'The prints were long and wide. "'They sunk deep into the ground. "'Whatever it was must have been huge and heavy. "'It couldn't have been a bear. Look at that track!' "'Everyone in the group was pretty freaked out by what they found. "'They all agreed that they did in fact smell something foul "'and felt as if they were being watched last night.' The group wanted to clear their heads and gather their wits, so they decided to go exploring after breakfast. They were about ten miles from town. Phone service was non-existent. There was a ranger tower with a radio and a landline if they needed help, or if there was an emergency. The tower was a five-mile hike uphill and near an abandoned caving area. As the group went exploring, the Sarge was playing, paying close attention to their surroundings and tracking whatever it was that was near their campsite. He'd been following the strange tracks from their area all the way to where they were walking. The group approached the closed-off caving area. It was no longer open to the public. There had been a few cave-ins in the past, and due to a minor earthquake a few years before, an unusually large sinkhole had opened up near the mountainside. How deep do you think that pit goes, Sarge? One of the campers asked. All eyes were on the Sarge at this point. He was crouched down near a natural trail and was analyzing some bizarre tracks that were all over their campsite. The Sarge found a strange clump of fur near one of the tracks. He paced back where he found it and stood abruptly to face the campers. All right, show's over. We need to uh, start heading back now, head back to our site, Sarge said with a sense of urgency in his tone. The group stood befuddled. With an abrupt announcement, Thomas spoke up. Sarge, what the heck are you talking about? Why are you acting so weird right now? Sarge responded with a sense of urgency in his voice. Enough chit-chat, gang. We move now. It was at that moment that the entire group lined up behind Sarge and proceeded to follow him. On the way back to the campsite, they were moving faster than when their journey had begun. Hey, Thomas, what if Bigfoot is hanging around your tent when we get back? One of the friends called out to him. Before Thomas could respond, the sergeant held up his arm, spun around with his finger over his mouth, and whispered for everyone to crouch down. Everyone behind the sergeant turned their attention forward and locked their gaze on what Sarge was watching. What the hell, man? What the freak is that? Thomas whispered. The sergeant raised his hand and made a fat fist to instruct the campers to lower their voices and wait for his orders to be given. Within a few seconds, everyone in the group could see what had Sarge so worried. 
standing in the middle of a clearing near the hiking trail was a hairless animal that stood over six feet tall. It was hunched over and on its hind legs. It looked directly at the group, slowly walked to the side of the trail, let out an ungodly howl, and the creature darted into the woods and left everyone frozen in fear. A rotting wet dog odor filled the air. It was the same terrible smell that permeated the campsite the night before. Everyone saw Sergeant Major like they had never seen him before. He was absolutely frozen with fear. All the campers were equally terrified. The grotesque-looking creature they saw shook the sergeant to his core. He stood in silence for what felt like several minutes, just staring at the wilderness where the beast vanished. When he finally regained his composure, he once again assumed his leadership role and instructed the campers to get moving quickly and not to look back. Sarge bellowed, "'Boys, we are leaving. Pack up everything quickly.' We are going to get back to the site and let's get out of here. None of the boys argued. They stayed close behind Sarge as he quickly moved through the trail. Upon arriving to the campgrounds, they found a majority of their supplies and equipment had been damaged or destroyed, and everything was tossed all around the site. What? What What happened? Who did this? Thomas cried out. The group also noticed that a few of the tents had huge rips going down the sides as if someone took a sword to them. Why would someone do this? One of the boys asked. Sarge ignored the question altogether and instructed the boys at this most commanding voice, grab what you can and leave what's been destroyed. A few of the campers started to panic as they noticed that they were at least three of those same creatures they saw earlier standing in front of the areas around the hillside. They moved quickly to gather their belongings and piled into their vehicles. Without a second thought, they sped away, leaving a smoke screen of gravel and dirt behind them. Sergeant Major vowed on that day to never set foot in that park for the rest of his life. He no longer allowed the ROTC to camp in that area either. The events of that weekend would indeed go on to haunt these once happy campers and forever discourage them from partaking in a recreational pastime that they once so greatly enjoyed. What did they actually see? No one truly knows. They knew whatever it was, it wasn't alone. There were more of them. Were they leftovers from a previous age that never evolved? Were they man or were they beast? Should the group have reported their encounter? Or was it the right thing to keep their discovery a secret? What if other unsuspecting campers in the park encounter them and they aren't so lucky or as lucky as Sarge and his group? The scary story that Sarge told the group that was told to him while he was in Germany years ago didn't seem to be a legend anymore. For these ROTC campers, the story became a reality. Could it be true? That story was told to Sarge in Germany. What happened to these campers was in the United States. Could there be more of these ancient beasts around the world? What do you think? Be careful while you're in the woods. And happy camping. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. 
more time for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Join me next week for more supercalifragilistic crazy things that I'll be talking about, I'll be reading about, I'll be sharing with you news that you may not even be aware of because of the algorithms on social media deliberately trying to pit us against each other. Uh, If you vote or lean one way, that's how the algorithms are designed to keep you fed, keep us divided, and keep you or myself or both parties collectively seriously misinformed. Thank you, and have a blessed weekend.